Crank up the volume and get ready for real-world bird hunting by listening to the Wingman Podcast by Eastman's. Now your host, Todd Helms. Hey, Wingman fans. This episode is brought to you by... All right, this past year, actually the past two years, we have been working here at Wingman through Eastman's on a new sage-grouse film. And it's not just a sage-grouse hunt, guys. It's about sage-grouse and being in trouble and the impact that they have economically if their habitat is shut down. And Leupold was awesome enough to come on and sponsor that project. And so we got to use Leupold glass on on that project. And by glass, I mean spotting scope in particular. And I, I, I got to put a piece of glass that I've always wanted to try which was the Leupold Gold Ring Spotter to through the paces. I used it for glassing sage grouse on lek, for glassing habitat. I even used it last fall when we filmed the hunt portion of that project to look at birds and examine habitat and try to spot birds at a distance. And I was actually able to pick out some birds at a long ways away on a hillside where we were pretty sure they were grouse. And so we, before we went and walked it, we actually glassed it. And I used that, I used that loophole gold ring spotter. And I was actually able to turn up some grouse on a ridgetop. And we knew they were there. We got in, got on the birds. So I guess my point is this. I had some questions about the loophole gold ring spotters. And I got to put them through the through their paces, not just for the Wingmen Sage Grouse project, but also I got to put them head to head with some of the other top spotting scope brands in the business for a review for Eastman's hunting journals. And this was not this was earlier this summer of 2022. And that spotter was so bright, so crisp, so clear that it blew me away. And so if, if you're looking for a new set of glass, a new spotting scope, maybe a new pair of binoculars, guys, you need to be checking out Leupold. Obviously, Leupold is known for making top-notch rifle scopes. That doesn't apply so much to us here in on the wingmen side of things. We're not using rifle scopes unless we're hunting big game. We're not talking about that. But for using a spotter and using binoculars... Man, Leupold is our go-to here at Wingmen. They are top-notch, and I can't wait. I, I, I got a new idea about how to find chuckers in the late season when there's snow on the ground, and it's going to be using that Leupold Gold Ring spotter. I already use Leupold, the Leupold spotter for glassing up distant waterfowl feeds. Say I can, out here in the west, I can get a high vantage point and I can look over a large expanse of agricultural area and I can pinpoint without having to burn a lot of gas, which at $4 and plus a gallon these days <laughs> means a lot. Without burning a ton of gas, I can sit up on a high vantage point and use that loophole gold ring spotter to pick apart countryside and see where the ducks are feeding, where the geese are feeding, and I can scout a lot, a lot, a lot of area in a very efficient manner. So guys, if you're looking for a new spot or new set of binos, obviously a new rifle scope, please go to loophole.com and check out their full line of stuff and then go out to a retailer 
and get your hands on them. Get them outside, and I think you'll be as impressed as I have been. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode number 40. What are we on? 45. Wow. How did that happen? Of the Wingmen podcast. This episode is brought to you by Sitka Gear. Uh, Big shout out and thanks to Sitka for being a great partner here on the podcast. We love everything that they do. They make, uh, honestly, I feel they make the best stuff in the business and couldn't be prouder to be affiliated with them. On this episode, I have the man who carved Ramsey Russell's black duck decoy that I signed a few weeks back, Bill Embacher. Did I say that right? You got it just right. Awesome. Bill, you're from Connecticut, and a little bit of digging on you. You're a waterfowl junkie, man. Tell me about it. Yeah, man. I mean, much to my parents' dismay, my first word wasn't mom or dad. It was duck. (laughs) And, uh, you know, my father was a big-time waterfowl hunter back in the 70s and 80s. And uh, his second hobby was woodworking. So we had a wood shop in the basement. And, uh, you know, between those two things and then everything I, I soaked up as a kid was the Duck Hunter's Bible and, uh, you know, the old books, um, Waterfalling on the Atlantic Flyway. I know that's not the right title, but it's something like that. I mean, all those old books that we all, all of us in our age group had, um, you know, they were all full of decoys and every single one of them had a chapter on Connecticut decoys. Um, so I think just when all that combined, it was kind of inevitable. I ended up carving decoys you know yeah no i think that's super cool and that decoy that that ramsey has uh he said that you reached out to him and you were like hey let's get rid of that old herders that you're carrying around and get you something cool yeah what, man did, did you just reach out to him out of the blue or do you guys know each other or no so uh like a year ago um he had bought a decoy from me okay and I talked to him and I said, Hey, you know, I, I know who you are, obviously. Um, if I gave you a break on the decoy or just sent it to you, you know, could you promote me? And he said, Nope, I'm going to do that anyway. I'm going to pay full price. And I said, you know, okay, <laughs> I'm not going to argue with you. Sure. Um, so we just stayed in touch after that because he hunts such cool and, and weird exotic species all over the world. Um, and I carve a lot of different stuff. So whenever he would, you know shoot something that was different i'd send him a picture of the decoy um and we just stayed in touch that way so when he came around to decide he wanted to get rid of that old herders um he reached out a second time and uh you know told me it was actually his idea to do a black duck and do the the signatures as the feathering and i said man that is an awesome idea so he says what are you going to charge me to do that and i said i'm no businessman but i'm no dummy i said that's you know, that's on me, man. I know what that's going to do for me. And boy, was I right. <laughs> so it went from there and uh, it was cool. He came through Connecticut. We were fortunate enough to be able to meet up and uh, met the man himself. And here we are. Yeah, that is, that is super cool. Well, I, I obviously got the chance to handle that decoy that you carved and look at it, you know, up close and in person. And he's got a bag that, that it goes in. And I mean, he literally takes that thing everywhere. He took it yep. down to the, he took it down to the blind that morning. It wasn't like it was 
locked in his pickup truck and it was there under wraps, man. And he took it down to the blind that morning, the first morning. And, uh, he was very explicit about his instructions on how to sign it with the paint pen. Uh, and I'm glad he said something because, you know, paint pens are a little bit different, but man, you do phenomenal work. That thing is an absolute work of art. And, you know, I mean, when did you start carving decoys? Cause you say, I mean, you've been doing it a long time, but what, when did you get real serious into it? Um, man, I think I actually finished my first one when I was 12 or 14. Um, it's in my brother's collection. It was a little hen bufflehead. Um, before that I had tried several times and I, I couldn't tell you if I was eight or 10 or how old I was. Um, but you know, you, you get frustrated and, and they ended up in the scrap heap. But uh, that first one I totally finished was early 90s. And uh, just no looking back, I went crazy. Um, I just love, I love the art form. I love water following and they you know, worked well together for me. Oh, that is, I mean, the, the richness of the history in carved decoys. I, it, it was funny. A lot of guys will ask me, you know, they, they see this, this widget on the wall behind me here and they're like, Oh, that's, that's pretty cool. You know, how many, how many bird mounts do you have thinking I got to have tons and tons and tons. And I'm like, I have that one. That's the only, right. that's the only piece of taxidermy of a bird taxidermy that I have, but I have paintings and I have carvings and to me. I, I don't dislike the bird taxidermy. I think it's cool but it's yep. such a, such a difficult thing and they don't, it doesn't last. It seems like birds in particular taxidermy just kind of degrades quickly. Whereas a carving man, that's something I can pass down to my kids. Not only that, you can take it hunting. That, that was my one uh, beef with Ramsey. I said, man, you got to float this thing. And he said, I can't take a chance with these signatures to wash off. And I, I hadn't thought of that. Um, so, you know, that's why it just stays in the blind. Um, but yeah, I agree, man. Like I, I grew up hunting with my father, like I mentioned earlier, and we hunted over a rig of LL bean decoys, cork decoys. You know, I'm sure you're familiar with them or most guys who hunt are. Oh yeah. Uh, and of course we had plastic too, but those, like those LL beans just always stuck in my head of how cool they are. And we still have them. They're, they're now sitting in my dad's living room. And every time I sit there, when I go over to their house, I see those decoys and I have those memories and like I, you can't do that with a, a no offense, a greenhead gear who or whomever it is, you know, like that's just, it doesn't hold up. It's not the same um, as those old wooden decoys. They tell a story. Well, and that is, that's waterfowl, you know, that that's right. waterfowl hunting. It's about stories. Absolutely. You know, I just, I just watched Dale Bordelon. I don't know if you're familiar with Dale, um, but he's from South Louisiana and he, he carves his own decoys and they're working blocks, you know, and they're out of Cyprus. He makes his own, uh, made his own duck boat, out of, you know, a dugout P rogue, uh, shoots old shotguns. I mean, so this video that he just dropped today on, and on Facebook was, uh, making a duck feather pillow. And oh, he, cool. he spent two years collecting feathers to be able to make this one pillow. And it was, yeah, it was super cool, but it's those stories that connect us as waterfowlers and absolutely you're right, man. As much as I like my super durable avian X, you know, decoys and they look great and they're super durable. They don't have 
they don't have the story that a hand carved wooden duck decoy does. And like I said, it, it sounds funny. Cause I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not knocking any of those cause they work awesome. I kill a lot of birds with them and oh, I yeah. love, I love using them, but <laughs> if I'm going to put something on my mantle, it's probably not going to be a production decoy. Right. Absolutely. It's you know, I, I, I hunt out of a kayak quite a bit and, uh, I'll be honest with you, to shove cedar or cork decoys into that kayak and then go paddling a mile or two into a beaver pond or something, it, it's just, it's no fun. It, it's a pain when you got, you got to drag the kayak over mud. So yeah, I've got the plastics, they're in there, you know, but I'm not going to remember those, you know, when I'm, when I'm old and in my, uh, you know, golden days, it, it's going to be those wooden ones that, you know, dad and I hunted over or that I carved myself or I had great hunts over with friends. Um, those will be the ones up on the mantle that I'll look back and those will tell the story and, and they'll be passed down and, and hopefully somebody after me cares. You know, I don't, I don't know that they will, but I hope they do. No. And I think you're, I think you're right. I think they will care because there's a soul, man, there's, there's a soul to wood, you know, and it, it's like that, that, that wood that you're carving a decoy with was a living thing at one time. Yep. And man, without getting too like, spiritual here there's something there's something to be said about that when you're you're it's all part of that that life cycle you know we all got introduced to our generation anyway got introduced to the circle of life you know with the lion king and all that stuff but it it's it's funny we laugh about it but there is something to be said for that you know and that's where when i saw this decoy that ramsey pulled out and i knew he was bringing it and then he said, you got to get a hold of Bill. You got to call Bill Embacher. You got to talk to this guy. And I'm like, absolutely, because that's where Ramsey and I in particular, that's where we really, we see eye to eye in okay. that that's the waterfalling culture isn't about, it's, it's not about, you know, limits and piles and the latest and greatest. It's about tradition. It's about the stories that you can tell and the this decoy that's covered in signatures this black duck decoy that's covered in gold ink yep. pen signatures yep. man that stuff's just cool it's so cool I, I you know i didn't i don't even know how to say it you know it wasn't something i planned to do it just kind of happened like i said through chatting with ramsey and i knew he would bring it all over the world but i had no idea um you know just quick story that the, the the afternoon that he visited my shop, um, I had taken my wife out for her birthday. And so, you know, he left, he leaves my house at three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock or whatever. My wife and I head out. And then he posts his stories on Instagram that we all follow every day. And I had to have my phone on me. It's unfortunately we're all addicted to it. And I, I'm, you know, as, as guilty of that as anybody. But that whole dinner with my wife, the phone was just like just nonstop. And I finally just looked at her and said, I just apologize. I, I apologize that I can't help it. But, you know, here I'm just some idiot in my basement carving decoys, you know, like I, I couldn't believe that that came from just a, just chatting on a, a uh, what do you call it? Just chatting with somebody led to all this. You know, it's right. kind of here. I am talking with you a week a week later. Like you know, I've been watching you on Wingmen and whatever, and there you are. Like holy cow! <laughs> well, <laughs> pretty crazy. 
I thank you. I guess I, I, <laughs> I had the same thing, you know, Ramsey walks into my living room to eat, sit down and eat pizza with my little girls and my wife and my son. And I'm like, Holy smokes, man. This is like, I was a little starstruck. I gotta be oh, honest, man. you know, but I, I think that is the coolest thing about, cause I'm apologetic about social media too, you know, where, where it's like, Oh, sorry. Yeah. You know, and it's like something that outdoorsmen that men and especially guys in their thirties, late third, mid to late thirties and in their forties, it's like, we're apologetic for was like, Oh, you know, I, I, sorry, I got to do this on social media or I, I was on social media, whatever. And, but that's the new storytelling medium. You know, that is what, that is how you and I connected. That is how I connected with Ramsey Russell. That's how I connect with all of my podcast guests for the most part are, I do it through social media. These are people that the only connection that we have is an Instagram story or a Facebook post or a video on YouTube because we don't live next door. We're not neighbors physically, but we're neighbors, we're neighbors digitally. And we share the exact same passion for waterfowl and waterfowl hunting and it connects us. Yeah. And in that regard, social media is super cool. Super cool. It's the best, worst thing in the world, man. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't know how else to say it. Like, You're you know, spot like, on. Yeah, just through talking to you and listening to the podcast and, and Ramsey and, and choose anybody you want who you've had on or, or whomever, like, you know who we are. You could fly out to Connecticut and jump in my boat tomorrow morning and we'd be like brothers. I know it. And I could come out to you in Wyoming and do the same thing, man, jump in that blind and it'd be like we've been doing it for 100 years. Like, that's that's one of the coolest things of water following especially like it's just i don't know you, you can't describe it but there it is you know like we just it's just in you that's yeah. it for us you know 100 100 percent. you know and we all have our own you know ways that we prefer to hunt or we have the oh, yeah. you know our, our preferred birds or you know whatever it might be but at the end of the day we're all part of that shared culture of waterfowl hunting and wing shooting in general you know it's not just yeah. not just duck hunting guys Speaking of that, do you carve anything but waterfowl? Do you carve anything else? I do not. Um, well, you know, it's funny you say that. A customer just asked me to do a, an oyster catcher, shorebird, if you're not familiar with that. Sure. Uh, so that was that was a first for me. Um, you know, I was honest with him. I said, look, I've never done this before, but I'll give it a shot and I'll send you a picture. If you like it, great. If not, sorry, you know, find somebody else. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it came out good, so that'll be getting shipped out next week. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. cool. Where you but know where? That, no, it's, it's yeah, that, that's interesting because I, oh, where I grew up, it was in back in Michigan. It, you'd see the guys that carve birds. A lot of times they carve fish too. Yeah, and that was a big thing. You know, you'd see instead of keeping a fish, you'd you know they take a picture of it and whatever. And they'd have somebody carve it and then they yep. paint the fish. And, and sometimes it was just, Oh, it's a brook trout. So it's just this generic carving of a brook trout. That's the size of the one you caught or whatever, but man, there were, there was some other ones. It was like, this thing looked real and it was carved out of wood. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And then right down to the, to the ice fishing decoys that we would hang in the metal, their oh, cart, so hand carved. Oh, they're sweet. 
Yeah, absolutely. And ever yeah, it I'd seemed like it. Go ahead. Sorry, I'd love to do some of that stuff. I, I guess I've just not been asked to, or, or I've never tried it to be honest with you for no reason, but and that history goes back to um, just off the top of my head. It's, you know, you or the listeners are familiar with like Shane Wheeler. He, he both waterfowl hunted out of Southern Connecticut, but also he loved to go up into Northern Maine and into Canada and salmon fish and he carved salmon. And they, you know, these are things he did in the 20s and 30s, and they are phenomenal, looking like, you know, they're going to flip right off the wall. Yeah. Um, so, again, that's just something that's been done, it's, it's, you know, in history by decoy carvers. I don't know why that connection is there. It's change of pace, maybe. I'm not sure. But I haven't, you know, dived into that yet. Maybe someday. I I think it's cool. And, and I think it goes back into our earlier conversation about um, mounts. You know, fish mounts are the same way. Skin after yeah. it doesn't take long, and a, and a skin mount just starts looking shabby. You know. Yeah, there's there's a reason those fiberglass mounts are all the rage right now because they will last forever. You could hang those things on your garage outside, and uh, it's still going to be there in a thousand years. I think. Yeah. No. Hundred. A hundred percent. I. I have. I have a. A handful of, of skin mount fish, and it's funny you say that because they're they're all. 15 years old or older now and they and they look like it you know and they were well done it's no knock on the taxidermist taxidermist did a fine job it's just that stuff doesn't last forever whereas a wood carved fish or bird man you know i i go to my mom and dad's place visit them occasion when i can and my dad's big into carvings and that's kind of where he got me started and he's got he's got some stuff that was carved by a, a teacher. Uh, well, a coach of mine, I should say, I was never fortunate enough to have this guy's teacher. I was too old by that time, but he was a coach and carves fish and he carves a few ducks, but mainly upland birds. He's a die, he's a diehard upland fanatic and his, his rough grouse and woodcock are the woodcock looks they're stunning. They're yeah. absolutely stunning. And my dad has one and it's autographed. And I was just like, I told my dad, I said, you know, I don't know if this means anything to my brother, but this means a ton to me. Cause this guy was a coach of mine. His daughter's youngest daughter was a classmate. And I just, I was like, I want that woodcock. I, yeah. I, well, when you're done with it, whatever, I want that woodcock. Yeah. But yeah, man, there's just, there's just like, the artistry, the history behind it, you know, do, do you do any, do you do any, uh, like shows do you do anything like that? Cause I, I'm pretty sure back in, especially in your neck of the woods that there's like trade show type deals for carving and contests. There's quite a few. Yeah, there's quite a few. I've only done one. Um, it's usually associated with competition and that's just not my thing. Okay. Um, I don't know. I, I, I love to go to them just to see everybody else's work. I, I was going to say earlier, I think that's one of the cool things. If you get into hand carved decoys, whether for hunting or collecting or whatever, um, there's so many of us and, you know, there's a thousand guys that make a way nicer decoy than I do. Um, and, you know, to, to have a rig, say your black duck rig or, or canvas back rig or whatever it might be. And to have, 12 decoys all by different carvers is I just think that's one of the coolest things in the world um, that you could do um, 
but yeah, so there's, it's just neat to go look at them at those shows and those conventions, but I, I don't typically participate. It's not my thing. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I did a little bit of digging. My Facebook stalked you before Uh-oh. we, before we did all this. No, I just, I wanted to see some more of your work because honestly, the only thing I'd seen is a little bit, you know, Instagram and, and then that that one bird on Ramsey and you dude you got a pair of black ducks on your Facebook page yep. that those things have got to be worth a mint they are gorgeous absolutely stunning thank you very much I'm not sure which ones they are I probably do more black ducks than anything else I mean being I'm in Connecticut that's that's what we have here is black ducks sometimes I think that's all we have here is black ducks but <laughs> You know, a lot of people wouldn't scoff at that like I do, but I grew up here and man, I, I'm not knocking them, but sometimes I think that's all we have is black ducks. <laughs> it gets rough some years, you know, but the, yeah, I do a lot of black ducks. They're one of my favorite species to do. Um, just because you like, if you look at the decoy Rams you had, just because we both, you know, you're familiar with it, you had it in hand. That's just such a really simple design. Um, you know, there's no, added feathering there's nothing in there uh, obviously signing but you know what i'm saying like that right. that decoy in itself before the signatures that's just a simple you know scratch head to get that little feather look in a brown body i mean it, it's as simple as that but what i shoot for is for that to just scream black duck so you put six of those out in front of you and that's that's it you know it's, it's a black duck without being too over the top or or anything like that um like a lot of these decoys do get, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's several of them on my shelf here that I've collected from other guys. Um, they're beautiful, but man, I have a hard time taking some of those out in the field with me. Cause you know, as well as I do the conditions they go through. Yep. Um, but you know, that's just kind of my thing. I, I like to make a hunting decoy that you can appreciate. That's it. You know? No. And that was, that was one of the things that I noticed about the one that Ramsey has is, you know, other than that paint that he obviously wanted to protect, with us, all yep. the signatures i'm looking at that decoy and i'm like dude you totally throw this out and hunt with it yeah you know totally i don't know how i don't know how it would how well it would do in the fast river current that we were hunting in but yeah, yeah. so you put a keel on it you know and then right. it'll ride just fine but i'm i'm just looking at that and i'm like man i can totally picture myself back in the upper peninsula of michigan on a beaver pond throwing six of those out and shooting ducks shooting all the ducks because i mean you know as well as i do you throw six or eight ten black duck decoys out and anything flying by is going to decoy to them because they're just these nondescript ducks and they just they stick out against that dark that dark silhouette that dark outline they just stick out and birds of all feathers don't pun intended just flock to those things you know and they shot mallards over them and wood ducks and teal and black ducks it i mean it didn't matter and i when i was in michigan i that's i didn't run i try to custom pick my working decoys i go to yard sales and different things and i was looking for black ducks to add into my spread um just for that that dark duck yep and it just stands out they just stand out it does you know i don't want to give up too many secrets but man if you're having trouble late season you know two three black ducks and done and do pretty well you don't need to go yeah. crazy if you're uh you know I, I think maybe the guys out west probably use a few more decoys than we do here on the east coast just because we don't see the numbers of birds that you guys probably do but 
you know, rather than running your 18 or 24 mallards and black ducks, just two, three, you know, put in the right spot and get a good hide and hang on. No, you're, you're, you're not wrong. You know, there's a couple of spots, several spots that I hunt that are, that are pretty, pretty good walks to get, to get back into. Yeah, and too. you're, you're just not going to haul a lot of decoys. And I have never felt in those spots that I was limited by six decoys, you know, versus, yeah, versus spots where I could haul in two dozen and or 35 or whatever. But yeah, it's crazy. You know, you you said something you were talking about. Sometimes you think that's that all you guys have is black ducks. That's the way I felt growing up about wood ducks. We had, oh my gosh, we had places. It's like we could shoot two. We could shoot two. And it was like, bang, bang, done. And then you spend the rest of the day looking for some other kind of duck. And all you see is just hundreds of wood ducks. It's it's not like that everywhere, you know, but it's, it's just funny out here. That's mallards, you know, and you're got, you're covered up in mallards all the time. So if you shoot a gadwall or a widgeon or something like that, you're, you're pretty excited because it's different. You poor thing covered up in mallards all the time. Huh? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> you got some golden eyes out there too. I heard you uh, complain about them on one of your podcasts. There, I, I, I really like diver ducks, like golden sure. eyes, broadbill. Um, I get hung up on them pretty good. Um, you know, we get decent numbers, but not not crazy necessarily. Every year is different. You know that as a waterfowler, every year is going to be different. But the puddle ducks here like you said early you get your wood ducks your teal black mallards but growing up it was your first split you had no black ducks you couldn't shoot them um so you had to be really careful in that first light and then second split you could take one black duck and man does that make it tough and that first light that first flock of you know we call them big ducks black mallards that's what they are and uh you had to be really careful so we all learned to id our black ducks and mallards really well at an early age and uh you know now it's it's actually shifting back the other way we could shoot two black ducks and two mallards instead of four um all season so that makes it a little bit easier but yeah there there's days where you get your two black ducks and just like you were saying about your woodies like you're you're done (laughs) you you can watch black duck decoy all afternoon which i do love to do but right you know (laughs) yeah no, yeah, it's, it's, sense. it's funny to, it's funny to complain about that, you know, and it's like, right. not, not really complaining. Just, it's just one of those things. It's kind of how, how it goes, but yeah, we, we would get, we shot a lot of black ducks. I mean, not like you guys, not like you guys on the East coast, but enough where that's a special bird to me because I, we don't see them. We don't get them out here. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so there, I, if I could go back there and, and kill one bird and do a carving it'd be a big drake blackwood duck or big i'm sorry big drake black duck yeah and because uh, I, I i feel like i squandered so many of those of them over the years but like oh it's just another black duck you know and yeah. now it's like oh man but I, I get what you're saying about the divers i didn't grow up a diver hunter you know and being from the great lakes there was a lot of diver hunter of diver opportunity but it's a pretty labor intensive and uh equipment intensive can be anyway i mean 
I, I did shoot. I mean, there were times when I, sh we shot some, but to go out on like those bays on, on the, on the lakes and really get into them. Yeah. That's a different breed of cat, man. And that was the guys that are into that. That is like all they want to do. Like, yeah, you can have those honkers and you can, sh you can keep those stupid puddle ducks. I'm, sh I'm shooting bluebells out of a layout boat in a two foot chop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, you know, like, again, I, I've listened and it's, we had a similar story, you know, in your mid twenties, you go hard, man. I mean, we went every day, you, you build your work around it. You build your life around it and just hunt every single day. And for us to go out with three or four guys, a couple of layout boats, 200 decoys for broad bill, and you'd go shoot two a piece or three a piece, whatever it was in that season and be done and just be happy as you could ever be. Um, I just loved it and you know to this day like right now uh, to be honest with you I haven't shot a duck since Thanksgiving I haven't been going nearly as much as I usually do I've been uh, you know just busy and, and life tends to get in the way the older you get as I know you well know um, but our broad bill limit right now is one and I found like 50 I've been going to kill one and that's all I want to do it just makes me happy to go shoot that one broad bill there's just something about them, man. I don't know. I, I can't tell you what it is, but when they, that squadron of bills comes over the decoys and just does their thing and you squeeze off and, and knock one down, I get a chill. <laughs> no, you're, I completely get it, dude. I completely get it. Cause it's, uh, you know, different, you talk about different life stages and yeah. I, same thing in my man in my twenties, people look back, people, Oh, you squandered your youth. You know, you should have been, working and building wealth. And I'm like, I was building wealth. It just wasn't monetary. Oh, you know, I built a wealth of experiences because I did yeah. the same thing, man. I, I, I built my work schedule around hunting. I built my graduate degree schooling around a hunting schedule until I couldn't anymore. And then it's right. like, all right, eventually life gets real, but you know, it's, it's kind of like, man, I look back at that and the stuff that the stuff that I did and I'm sure the stuff that you did it's crazy. And so, yeah. you know, last I took my kid, my two girl, my old, my two girls, and then another coworker here and his uh, stepson out on Saturday. And honestly, that's the first time that I had been duck hunting since Ramsey was here, just simply because we just don't have a ton of birds yet. There's yeah. po there's pockets where it's like, okay, there's some here there's some there but you man you got to be on it like you got to be out there every day to pin these things down and yeah. life gets in the way and yeah i have a, you got a real job that dictates your like you don't have as much time to, to throw at it but it was funny i'm because we're watching the i'm watching these birds work and there was a couple times where i had birds swing right over my end of the blind i mean literally right over it and they'd swing out into the decoys and I'd be like, kill them. And cause I want to see my two girls are too young to do it yet. But you know, his stepson's shooting and he looks at me, he's like, dude, why aren't you shooting? I was like, let Blake pull the trigger, man. I I'm, I'm more than happy to watch him shoot these birds and see the smile on his face. Honestly, that's, I mean, don't get me wrong. If we, if you and I went out on a hunt, I, I would want to be pulling the trigger, <laughs> but on the other hand, when it comes to kids or first or young people or, or people who are new to it, 
I love seeing them get that success. You know, I'm right it, with you, man. Yeah, we did a uh, a youth hunt this year, and I was, you know, a little sketched out going in because you're taking other other people's kids out. My, I have a one daughter. She's too young to go. She does go and sit in the blind, but she can't shoot yet. Um, but a buddy and I took out three 12 to 14 year old guys and we got a hot goose field and, and the youth day is where the other, no, no one else can hunt. It's just a youth day. So it's, it's sectioned off just for them. So these birds hadn't been hit. It was, you know, it was as good as you can get. And uh, the first thing that come in was a couple of mallards, just by chance, it was raining and we had a couple mallards come in, kid knocked down a mallard and that was his first bird. And I don't know who was more astonished, him or me, that he knocked the mallard out of the air, like a good crossing shot. He, he hammered him. Um, but man, the smile on that kid's face, you can't replace that. And then they went on to shoot limited geese, every one of those kids. Um, and it was just you know, like godsend, you know, flock after flock of, of backpedaling honkers, like it's 15 yards or less. Those kids just had the, the day of a lifetime. And I guarantee you, I was happier than they were, <laughs> you know, like. It's just too cool. I didn't have to kill a single bird, and that uh, was great. It was amazing. No, you're you are so right. You know, it's and it doesn't matter to me if it's you know somebody else's kids or my wife or somebody that's brand new to it that's never done it before. To see the look on their face, especially these big game guys out here that out west that all they've done is hunt big game and they really haven't shot birds at all. And they've done a lifetime of it. And they're like, all right, whatever, let's go try it. And you get them out there and they watch that, that first tornado of mallards come into the decoys or a big, big flock of geese come and tear it up. And they're just like, oh, that was, that was cool. Yeah. That, 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 that was cool. And I'm like, yeah. uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. And then, yeah, man, I, it's, it's just funny. And it just goes back into what we're saying about there's just more to all of this than back to beating on social media, but to what we see on social media being portrayed all the time is like the, this is the gold standard when it's not, you know, there's more, there's more to it. There's way more, there's way more to it. And I think, I think that as long as we have, you know, guys like you that are carving decoys, guys like Dale Bordelon that are saving feathers to make pillows that are taking kids hunting, introducing friends and spouses and not just, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, we all love shooting, shooting birds. That's part of the deal. But at the end of the day, it's about killing that one broadbill. Right. Or killing a perfect two perfect Drake Mallards with two shots or whatever it might be. That's what it really boils down to. And yeah, I, I think that through podcasts and through social media and through YouTube, whatever, we keep telling that story and we keep connecting. And I think that the future of waterfowling is going to keep right on trucking, you know, I hope so, man. Speaking of, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, it meant so much to me as a kid, obviously I I built my life around it and you know, you have as well. Um, 
man, I, I can't imagine, you know, I, I don't know which direction my daughter will take. She's eight years old, but she does love coming out now. I'm sure at some age, she's going to take a couple of years off of duck hunting and I won't be too shocked at that. Um, but hopefully, you know, she gets out of it what I've gotten out of it, you know, when she's 30 or 40 and can look back and say, oh man, that, those days with dad, that was cool. You know, or yeah. the days with, you know, her uncle were, were cool. It's just, I don't know, but I, I don't want it to go away. That's for sure. No, I hear you hundred, hundred percent. But, you know, speaking of, speaking of, you know, the future and birds, what's your guys' limit on, on mallards right now? You got two, are you two? one hen. Wow. Yeah. So you're on, I uh, say on an average day of duck hunting, do you see them? I mean, are they, are they, are they, a, are they, a, are they a, the regular deal? Cause pintails are that way for us out here. Yeah. And uh, you get guys from the Pacific fly that are like, what we're dude, we're covered up. Always shoots pintails. And I'm like, man, I can count on one hand, the number of pintails I've shot. And I've never shot a big bull sprig. I've just never really had that opportunity. And we just see them fleetingly. Is yeah. that the way mallards are for you guys out there? No, I mean, again, every season is different. Typically this, this time we're in right now. So Thanksgiving till christmas and then it depends on cold weather what that's a universal you know right um, but we'll get a good flight of birds come in for thanksgiving give or take and then those birds will get shot up and either leave or stay here but they get really stale you know mm -hmm. and uh, you hear that story from everybody i know um but the last time i hunted the river looking for mallards um i saw 30 or 40 and they all came from wherever they were roosting. They were a hundred yards up on the center line of the river. They were trucking on to wherever they were going. And I don't care who you are. You are not killing those birds. Um, and that's what I saw they, I didn't have a prayer with any of them and I didn't see any other duck. Um, and that was it. And, and that's pretty typical this time of year. That being said, there are some of those Todd and bill at 23 year old guys that are out there every single day. And I guarantee you they're killing their two mallards every day, but they are out right. there every day and they know those little honey holes where they're going and they're walking into a swamp that's a mile and they have all the time in the world. And I just don't have that time. I hate to say I don't have the drive anymore, but it's times have changed, right? Like, you know, it's, it's not what it used to be as much as I love it. I just can't get up at 3 a.m. And, and go into some crazy spot anymore and, and do that like I used to. But what are you going to do? No, I um, think that's life. You know, I think that's yeah, just kind of, sure. kind of where we're, where you're at. And I, yeah, I think about good God. I think about, you know, in my twenties and just chasing goose feeds, like <laughs> you never slept. All you did was well. drink Mountain Dew. Cause this was before energy drinks, drink freaking Mountain Dew and eat crappy food, sleep a couple of hours, you know, get after the birds. And it was about making piles. You know, I think you go through that, those time periods in your life. And, and like I said, I still like making piles of birds, but that's not what it's all about for me anymore. And I think yeah. ultimately that's, that's, I guess that's what I'm getting at is it's, that's not sustainable for, for yeah. the, for individuals or for the sport, you know, it's just, right. it's just not, but my gosh, man, don't feel bad because after a co after a long weekend now of chasing geese and ducks like I did in my twenties, I'm like I need like three days off. Oh man, I need to sleep. 
I need to sleep. It's crazy. And I think, how did I do this? Yeah, right. We got a group of guys that uh, ever since college, we have done opening day in this crazy swamp where we kayak in for, you know, a better part of an hour and get out to this middle of nowhere beaver pond. And, uh, you know, we'll get to the boat launch or, or the, the put in at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night. And, and it's, you make a night of it. Yep. And we used to do that. And that would be on a, you know, whatever morning that opener was on. I can't remember, but we'd do it that morning. And then you'd inevitably you'd shoot a big pile of birds because it was opening day. And then you'd go do something else the next morning. And then you'd go do it the next day and the next day. And now I do that one morning. I'm glad to say we're all still doing it. And we're done for three, four, five days. <laughs> you know, we're all in our 40s, and it's a, it's just a different ball game these days. But uh, man, we still have a blast, and I, I still enjoy every minute of it. Yeah, no, 100. percent And and I get a kick out of one of the guys that we hunt with pretty regularly out here is Noah Miller of Western Waterfowlers, and man, he he's a young gun. I mean, and he's going and going and going and going, and he's running it, running an outfitting business. And he, we got, we got last year, it got to the point where he bagged it. He refunded it at the end of the season. Our bird numbers were just not, it wasn't feasible. You couldn't do hunt. You couldn't do paid hunts. And so he refunded people. And he's, I said, what are you going to do? You know, you're going to take a break. He's like, Nope. Headed to Arkansas to guide snow geese, you know? And it's just like, there is no stop. There is no stop. And I'm just, I just smiled. I was like, Yep. I remember those days. I remember those days. And I, I love the fact that there's those young guys out there that are crushing it, that are yeah. getting after it because I had a, I had an old boss in Alaska that told me, he's like, just keep this in mind. I've been where you are and you'll be where I am. And that when I look at Noah and a lot of these young guys, I'm like, yep, that was me. I, I, I lived that lifestyle. I, I remember what that was like. And someday he's going to go, you know what? I want a family or I, maybe I want a wife or, and, and maybe not, you know, that, and there's, there's guys that don't, but I, it takes all of us to make this thing, to make this big waterfowl circus work, you know, yeah. and I love it. And I, I love seeing those young guys get after it. And I, I feel like sometimes guys our age or even guys that are older like ramsey we might have a tendency to, to maybe harp on those guys a little bit oh it's just about piles with you but it's not because if you when i go with noah and i watch i remember one morning last year we're standing on this on this ice and we were covered in mallards i mean it was ridiculous and typical before light we're just getting buzzed like crazy and here and i are standing there neither one of us said a word you know, and he's just standing there looking up and he'd been doing this all season long, yeah. just grinding. Yeah. And it still wasn't old for him. It didn't, oh. wasn't lost on him. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, that, that is the waterfowler's passion that when you're truly a waterfowler, that never goes away. That's true, man. It, it, you know, I'm 42 years old. My dad took me for my first full day when I was and by full day i mean we saw sunrise till sunset i oh, found yeah. those journals and i could tell you what day it was so that what i can't do math well but you know 30 35 37 years whatever that is 
there's not a day that I'm out there where that single black duck, as much as I might complain about them, that single black duck drops into the rig and you just don't get a little like, <laughs> you know, a little chill bump on the back of your neck because it, it just it, it just doesn't end, man. It's just always good, always great. Yeah, and you know, I think I think when it does, the minute it does get old, you need to sell your stuff and That's take it. up take up golf or something, you know, because yeah yeah me, I, I me neither I, get there. I don't think i will me neither and yeah and it's it's funny i've got a set of clubs and my brother asked me do you ever play these anymore i'm like nah yeah nah that's for when i'm old but, <laughs> oh man but yeah i uh so what do you have for the rest of the season are you guys how much season do you have left out there we're about halfway through we go until january 20th you know give or take or whatever yeah, same saturday. as us okay cool yeah, saturday or sunday that falls on um you typically it's those last two weeks that we have where you really get fired up that's when i'll really try to put my time in i, I have my wife even alter her schedule so that i can get my days in there um you know again like i said earlier right now it's really slow this isn't a typical you know sailbird and we're just waiting for that cold weather um you know, it's kind of it. We get a little bit of everything here. Um, sounds like you're pretty mallard heavy in that in that time. You know, we are. Yeah, we are. Yeah. Um, I guess you know you've never heard of Connecticut as a waterfowling destination for a reason. There's a lot of history here, but we're not really ever covered up in birds. But what I've always liked about where I'm at is I am say three hours from coastal Maine. Okay. And you've heard of Maine eider hunting. I mean, everybody. 100%. Yep. I'm three hours from Jersey, give or take. You know, Jersey Brant, Jersey Black Duck, right? I'm under three hours from the Hudson River, Candace Backs. I, you know, four hours from the Finger Lakes. You know, it's just kind of everything is around me. I just got to work for it. Yeah. Uh, but it's all here, unfortunately, just right here where I'm based at. You earn your ducks, man. Like, it, it can be tough going. Some years happen, some years it doesn't, but that's just that's probably what got me into carving just to, to keep it going, keep it, keep it alive. Oh, it's, and it, that's just thinking about ducks all the time, you know. That birds on the brain, yeah. No, yeah. there's no doubt about that. And it's I can I can relate, you know, when I first when I first first couple places I lived in Wyoming, there wasn't much for wasn't much for waterfowl. Um, you know, they we have a tendency to look at YouTube or social media, Instagram, Facebook, and go, Oh man, that would be so awesome to, to be there, to live there. Oh man, Montana must be the place to be or Holy smokes. Kansas must be awesome. Well, let me tell you something. You go to those places and you learn real quick that it's the rare state that has waterfowl spread out all the way around, all the way across it. Michigan, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota being probably some of the exceptions to that because there's so much water there, right. they have, they raise ducks, but man, there's vast portions of the country where of states where there's the waterfall and isn't really, it's non-existent. You know, I think of Eastern Wyoming where I, when I first moved out here, I had one spot and it was all jump shooting. Yep. The ducks really didn't fly around. I tried to decoy them. There wasn't a lot, but it was what I had. And I still went out and hunted because 
I'm a duck hunter. I, I am a waterfowler, you know, and, but it's, you know, you think about places like Nevada and they have ducks in, in spots, but it's not crazy good everywhere you go. And, right. and so kind of managing those expectations is it's huge. It's yeah. huge. You know, cause like what you said, where you are might not be great, but you've got this history but you're within striking distance of all these destination spots. Sure. And I don't know, do, do you get, do you get to Maine and get after those sea ducks at all? Oh man, I haven't in years, but I killed my first eiders out of a layout boat on the coast of Maine, um, late nineties. And wow. you know, I have those mounted. I did them myself. I'll never forget that. And I've shot plenty since, but you know, like I said, it, it's all there. Um, I'd like to go do more of that, but as we've been saying, it's just not that easy anymore. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's a lot of stuff I'd still like to go do, but there's a lot I've done. So it's just a matter of time, right? Yeah, no, hundred percent. It's, and it's being realistic, you know, with balancing your life, you know, and very few of us can just go and take off and go hunt wherever, whenever anymore. Um, some, some, some folks can, and some people literally, that's how they live their life, man. Kudos to that. Kudos to you. I guess the rest of us will just live vicariously through that. But, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, that's cool. It sounds like we have a similar season length. We're in the same boat you're in. Um, we've got some birds, but they're, it's nothing stellar right now. You ask the guys and the guys that are out that are the young guys that are out getting after it, they're getting their birds obviously. And they're, they're yep. getting big, big spins and whatever, but the average guy that's hunting on the weekends to the weekend warrior, you know, it's stale birds and, and things are, things are tough, but yep. all it takes is one blizzard. That's it. Right? And I'm like, yep. come on, yep. baby, freeze it. I want Montana to freeze solid, like you know, solid. That's uh. It, guy I used to hunt with a lot back in those days and you just sit and have those conversations in the blind right like it's just the two of you and you spend every day together and you you talk about everything under the sun but what came up a lot is why the heck are we doing this like you know we are up at three or four in the morning every day it's barely over 20 degrees every day we're sitting out here freezing and we came to the conclusion it's because you don't want to miss that day you just mentioned what if today was the day that we slept in and that bull pintail or that flock of them dropped into the rig or, you know, there would be no rig, right? Like if that was the day that they came in and we weren't there, you'd, you know, you wouldn't know, but you also wouldn't forgive yourself. <laughs> so that, That's that drive when you're 20. And, and now, man, it still pains me to know that that's probably happening. You know, tomorrow morning, I might not be there. <laughs> but, well, I go, that goes back to some things we have control over and some things we don't. Yeah, and I think you're exactly. just there. You're just there <laughs> as much as you can be, you know, um, my, you talk about your wife arranging her schedule and stuff. My wife is, she's a saint, man. I mean, they gotta be got three kids, three, we have three little kids and she just handles it. And, and I granted, that's the other thing is when you're a family guy, you don't, very seldom do you go all day. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't, and it's not that I, I don't get to hunt all day. That's not it. My wife doesn't tell me what I can and can't do. Right. It's, uh-huh. it's, I'm, I wouldn't dream of like 
sticking her alone for days at a time with the kids continually. You know, it's one thing. It's like, Hey, I got a trip. I'm going to be gone for a couple of days, you know? Okay. But I go out in the morning, we get a good hunt in or not and home and then do doing stuff with the family. You know, it's keeping those, keeping that balance going. And that's part of it too. You know, um, I'm trying to remember I, who the, who made the quote? I think it was, and I want to say it was, uh, well, it doesn't matter now. And I'll, I'll look it up and I'll find it, but it was basically, it was a quote about who the real, who real hunters and fishermen were. And basically it boiled down to, it was the guy that it was the mechanic down at the auto shop that hunted on his days off, or it was the banker down down in the street that hunted on the weekend and or and it, or it was the family man who hunted or fished when he could have the time and dreamt about it and daydreamed about it and schemed about how to do it more the rest of the time that they were you know what i mean yeah yeah man it was one of the old school writers and i can't remember who that was now but that struck me that struck me because and they that's who is that who that's who props up this whole thing you know when you when you're selling decoys i'll bet you're selling decoys to guys that are everyday weekend warrior guys that want to have a piece of that nostalgia in their office or on their desk at home or wherever it might be so they can stop and go yeah this weekend's going to be epic right yeah for sure, man. Um, I, I wish my decoys got to hunt as often as I used to. Do you follow? You know, like I do. I, I do exactly what you said, and and that's fine. They're they're fulfilling their purpose, but it's not the purpose that I had in mind. I'm sure. picturing them out there gunning every day, but they're doing exactly what you just said. They're they're bringing that guy out into the marsh when he can't be, because um, just like us, that's all he thinks about, right? He's sitting there thinking about saturday morning um and looks up at that decoy man I, I can't wait you know three more days or two more days here it comes you know and that's what that decoy is accomplishing but i had never thought of it that way so you just said that so thank you <laughs> well i uh, yeah no, you're welcome i guess i just to me to me when you know when i look at the the, the memorabilia that i have around it's it's like going out to the gun safe and in july and picking up my elk rifle you know and it immediately takes me to october or november and i'm in the mountains chasing elk or i go and you know working the dogs and of you know say it's august and i take them take the dogs out to work some drills and a flight of early teal buzzes over boom you know and we don't even have a teal season i'm weeks and weeks away from anything but yeah i think that stuff is big you know and i and i know for a fact that that's why ramsey takes that decoy around that's why he he's because he can get done and i just just knowing him a little bit i feel like i can picture him sitting in february or whenever if he ever sits down, I'm not sure he really does. does. I'm not sure he sleeps, to be real honest <laughs> with you. He says he does, but I'm not sure he does. That man's a machine. He's unreal. 
He's unreal. And, but anyway, I, I could picture him looking at the signatures on that and being able to reflect back on every single one of those hunts. That's why he does that. He sets yeah. that bird up there in his office or in whatever room it's going to occupy. He can yep. go pick it up and he can go, Todd Helms. Man, I remember that morning on the Shoshone River, you know, wherever, or whoever's name it might be. Right. That's priceless. You can't put you can't put a price on that. So what you are doing and is creating these conduits basically for this culture of waterfowling. And I man, I, I think that's super cool. That was when when he told me he's like, you should talk to Bill about coming on the podcast. I was like, uh yeah. Yes, that would be awesome. So I'm super glad that you that you took the time to to join me this evening for a little while. Oh, I appreciate it, man. I, I was truly humbled. I'm looking through your guest list and I saw KVD back there a little bit. And I'm like, come on, really? Like <laughs> you could have knocked me over with a feather when he said he'd come on. I was <laughs> like, Are you serious? And that that all happened through Jake Latondres, which happened through Ramsey Russell, which oh yeah, there you it's go. It's just that part. Wasn't... It's just going back to what we said earlier, dude. Where it's just part of, we're all part of the same brotherhood, sisterhood yeah. of of waterfowling, of wing yeah. shooting. You know, yeah. we're we're all connected by that love for those birds. Yep. But yeah, that was too cool. I mean, I, I grew up again. We're similar age and. I thought I was the next Kevin Van Dam, right? Like in 1997, I was doing the little local uh, bass tournaments and all that nonsense. And, you know, so, you know, obviously everyone knows who he is and I'm reading through and I just to listen to him and just what a super cool guy. Like that, that was neat. And you told your story of being on the dock and he went by and he was probably hearing you like, yeah, man, great. You know, you saw me when you were seven you know, <laughs> or whatever it was. You know, but that that's just too cool. Those memories of, uh, you know, that, and uh, that was a neat one. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Yeah. He's, he's, he was a fun guest to have on and just for someone of that renown to take some time and sit down and talk to, you know, Joe blow duck hunter. That was, right. that was pretty cool. That was, yeah, that was, that was pretty cool. And the thing about it was, is when I reached out to him, it was, it was the, their tournament season was just ramping up and he was super busy. And he's like, Hey, let's, we had a little phone conversation. Really, really nice guy. And he's like, I do not have time to do, to sit down in the next few weeks, but after the season, let's touch base and we'll make it happen. And I'm thinking, yeah, right. You know, that's, that's, that's kind of, that's fine. You know, but I called him and lo and behold, he answers his phone and he's like, yeah, I'd love to come on and sit down. And yeah, just super cool guy, man. Salt of the earth. Yeah. His story, his story about the, the trees, the oak trees yeah. from Mossy Oak and Toxie cool. Hayes, that yeah. is super cool. You know, that yeah. it's that kind of stuff that, you know, unless we have these conversations and we talk, nobody knows about that except the two guys involved. Right. And to right. know that that kind of stuff and that connection to, to everything exists is just, I don't know, man, I think that's awesome, but yeah. Good oh goodness but well you're got so you're eastern time so it's like 7 30 your time you probably gotta get to get eaten or something but uh dude i really appreciate you coming on and i'm gonna be uh 
my wife asked me the other day she's like you know when it seems like christmas time when you're are when you got little ones it's all about the kids she asked me the other day she's kind of like you know maybe we'll just do christmas for our birthdays instead of christmas presents this year i'm like that's fine you know she's like what were you thinking and i said honestly i want a decoy like ramsey's <laughs> hey i know a guy yeah i know that's why i'm bringing it up but yeah i'm gonna be giving you a call and being like dude i want a decoy i, I definitely I want that. want to commission you for a decoy and uh it may just have to be a black duck i'm sorry but <laughs> yeah, <be> sorry. <laughs> oh cool but well i really appreciate it dude and i'm gonna i'm gonna end this like try to remember how i have been if you could only do one bird one way for the rest of your life what's it gonna be oh i think you already know that one from talking to me but it's gonna be an open water diver hunt shooting those broadbill heck yeah that's yeah. awesome that's awesome Shit, man they are they are special there is no doubt about it the way that just yeah. the, the sound that those wings make tearing across that about you know two feet above the water just oof, there's something yep. about them anyway, that's got, cool if you got 30 more seconds just a couple of years ago i i took a father's son out to a rock pile to hunt broadbill and uh we're watching them cross on the horizon and one flock just broke out of the sunrise 50 of them right in the rig right in front of the decoys six shots went off none of them mine they didn't touch a bird and i was just standing there laughing as that was i'll never forget that flock <laughs> they will humble you something fierce won't they that that's broadbill in a nutshell yeah well and and golden eyes out here on the rivers do it too they they mm -hmm. they hit the decoy spread so hard and so fast yep and uh i so so yeah i i don't I don't turn my nose up at golden eyes, but there's, they're so common golden eyes for us. There's, they're so common and they don't, they don't eat well. You know, they're, they're not, they're not a good eating bird. And it's kind of like, after you shoot a handful of them, it's like, well, I don't, I'm not going to eat these things. There's no reason for me to keep shooting them. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I'm trying to kill a barrows mm. and we get a handful here here on the river we don't they're not super common but there's enough where if you go and get after them you'll you'll kill one and man they have had my number for the last three years where i just have not been able to kill one and so yeah i hear you well that's cool man broadbills yeah there's that is a special special bird but yeah. mr bill i appreciate your time really hey, appreciate Thanks you coming on me. and yeah anytime and uh i will Make sure that when we drop this thing, I'll send you the link and we'll get after it, share it all up and drive some more business your way too. Because the decoy, I'm telling you, I can just have my hands on that bird you carved up for Ramsey. You are a first rate carver and uh, people need to know more about you. That's for sure. Well, thanks so much, Todd. That means a lot to me coming from you guys. I, I truly appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Anytime, anytime. Well, I'm going to stop recording.